The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. He's pounding down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just watch old bandit run. This is V8 and the Paper Towel coming at you from the Apple with the Trilogy Podcast. The only show in the world dedicated strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight to cable. We got facts, debate, humor, and more. To hell with that son bitch if they made 10 4. Got your ears on, Scott? Yes, I do, man. <laughs> I think when you folks all heard the music for this episode, you knew exactly what we were doing. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. And I, I you know. It is a bit of a tribute to Burt Reynolds and his passing a a week ago today. And probably when um, this comes out, two weeks are probably going to pass since Burt passed away. Yes. Let's say the word pass another time, Vin. Pass it, pass, pass. (laughs) And folks, of course, we're talking about Smokey Smokey and and the Bandit. Bandit. All right. What, What a trilogy this wound up being. Yes. Gotta tell you. It is uh, something, uh, you know. And uh, just when I thought that... The acting and films couldn't get worse than our last episode's Missing in Action with Chuck Norris and his intrepid performances. And that is tough to beat. I said, that's it. It can't get worse. Movies can't get worse than these films. It's impossible. Then you were proven wrong. I was proven wrong nearly instantly. Yeah, almost instantly. We were debating, you and I, what's the new episode going to be? What movie, what trilogies do we want to do? Burt passed away and we were like, we've got it. Right. Let's get right to the kind of trilogy it is right off the bat. Yes. Okay, let's get all the paperwork finished, so to speak. Do our, you know, get our house in order. Yeah, yes. If you will. Yes, God, I will. Let's get our house in order. Let's do this. All right. Of course, Trilogy Bot, one of my best friends and most hated enemies, is going to tell us what kind of trilogy this is. Um, and it's always traumatic to hear what he has to say. Yes, you guys have a very complicated relationship. You know, I figured this week I wouldn't get into details because things have gotten better. So, oh yeah, yeah. In recent, you guys doing like therapy or you've already asked too many questions. Okay, so I, let me just—I apologize. It's uh, none of—it's none of my business. No, it isn't. It's none of my business. So, and this is the kind of trilogy that uh, Smokey and the Bandit is. Smokey and the Bandit is a gang's all here trilogy. These films are defined by a group of people, sometimes forced by circumstance to work together, that the audience revisits on a few occasions. This is your mother's favorite category. I thought our relationship had mended, Scott, but apparently I was completely... You know, it's like it's like he doesn't want to do the work. You know? Incorrect. Because, you know... It's pretty obvious this is a Gangs All Here trilogy. Yeah, it's almost as if Bert is saying, hey, the gang's all here. Let's make a movie. Right. It couldn't be more a bunch of friends are making movies than this kind of thing. Yeah. Reminiscent almost of Adam Sandler in the Grown Ups movies. Let's just make a movie with our friends. Script and story be damned. Right. You know? It's just going to be a fun movie. Fun movie. We're going to get paid to hang out. Yeah, exactly. Years later, Bert even said that one of the biggest regrets of his career is that much of it was what he was going to have fun doing. More so than the art that he was creating. So we're talking about a gang's all here. A bunch of pals making a film. Yeah. We'll talk further about how these guys all know each other. We're all related to each other in one way or another. Connected. Right. And that this was a, an iconic period of time for Bert and his friends to make films. Yeah. 
and it really demonstrates this kind of a trilogy. It's funny, and because I mean, it is Smokey and the Bandit. Like mm-hmm. they they make it that it's oh, it's between him and him, but really, it's an an, an incredible network of people who are helping these capers get pulled off. You exactly. Know I mean? In addition to the main characters, the supporting cast, the chorus is the gang. It's all yeah. everybody on the CBs. They're all there to. And every cameo is mm-hmm. always somebody helping out in some small way. In to, some. To it, move further the plot along. They need to help. They need yeah. to help the bandits. It really is a movie about friendship. <laughs> it, when it you is. think about it. <laughs> so, in the same way that our last trilogy with Chuck defined the Army of One type trilogy where it's really just Chuck doing everything, this one really defines the gangs all here, where it's real friends on and off the screen, common goal. Yeah. Okay? All right. So, let's put our house in order, as you said earlier, Scott. Yes. And rock out these plots. All right. Lord knows how labyrinthine they are and complex they will be. Yes. Do your best, maestro. I shall. Uh, so here are the plots. Uh, you know, not going to use character names. Just basically vaguely describing the movie to you. Hmm. It's both interesting and vaguely irritating at the same time. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's it's always best that you've seen the movies already. We always have to give that warning. If you've not seen this trilogy, you're not going to understand what we're saying. Right. Or maybe it's been a while. At the very least, you have to have seen the first Smokey and the Bandit to follow what we're doing, I think. Sure. Uh, so here we go. We're going to start her off with Smokey and the Bandit. A big man and his small son hire a fast... <laughs> <laughs> He's so little. He's very little. And let me tell you, the age difference is only like 10 Oh my God. Years. Like they're it's... the same age. Yeah, they're clearly like, the same you, age. Wait, that's supposed to be a son? Are you kidding me? In fact, until we rewatched the movies, I thought they were brothers. I forgot yeah. that there was a father and a son. I thought they Which were Which would have weird... just made as much sense, per- honestly. Why didn't they just... It's not like this was based on a novel that they were adhering to. <laughs> You're little. You must be a child. It was like, all being what? made up on the spot. So this could have been brothers and it would have made sense. Yes, it would have been fine. <laughs> Yeah, Good. glad we got that off uh, right off the bat You're because no. yes, because right. it is ridiculous. You're right. A big man and his small son hire a fast-driving show-off, and his friend who has a dog. How many times could they call Burt Reynolds a show-off? Okay, yeah. they're like, okay, that's what you a are. A show-off then. isn't a real thing. Stop yeah. saying it like it's a real occupation. Well, honestly, going to making it was these cute plots, the first time. Making these plots too it was hard because I was like bootlegger. That's not exactly right. Like car driver. Hey, I'm like, not saying but, that it isn't a good description of the guy. Yeah, but don't beat us over the head with it. Yeah, that's yeah. all. That's all. They hire a fast-driving show-off and his friend who has a dog to illegally transport beer across state lines. They get to the beer quickly, load it into the friend who has a dog's truck, <laughs> and the show-off escorts the shipment. On the return trip, the show-off picks up a runaway bride, who is being chased by an angry sheriff and his son, who the bride was meant to marry. Now, what are they going to do if they should even catch her? They're going to R- force right. her back to marry him? Yeah, now you go back and marry him. Like, I, I was it like that in the 70s? You know, like... And, and you know what? Shotgun weddings, we but with uh, the woman. This is the best time to say this, so we don't have to say it when we go through the other movies. Why is it that the first leg of this journey is always so easy, and it's always the return leg that's the problem? Right. The first journey takes place in three minutes. Yeah. 
the whole other part, the whole movie is coming back. Right. You're telling me that there's no problem going west, but coming yeah. east is the, it just like lulls you into a false sense of security. It's just a I little guess. strange. Like, that's all. Like everything's going perfectly, and uh oh. Over the course of a movie's long chase. The show-off and the sheriff trade barbs back and forth across the radio as the show-off starts to fall for the runaway bride. Mm. With the help of friends and fans of the show-off, they are able to deliver the shipment and elude capture, cementing the show-off and the sheriff as eternal rivals. <laughs> and to, the, to the point where, by the third movie, it's almost a battle between God and Satan. Yeah. <laughs> they set it up as if these, this must go on forever, or the the balance of the universe is at stake. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, they live for each other. Yeah. Like, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> That's where they are. Uh, so that was number one. Yeah. And, uh, and here we are with uh, Smokey and the Bandit 2. The big man is running for office, and in hopes of gaining favor with the outgoing governor, he hires the show-off and the friend with a dog to transport a large crate for the governor. But they find the show-off in the bottom of a bottle mm. after breaking up with the runaway bride. The friend with the dog calls the bride, who is about to marry the sheriff's son again, mm. and offers her a cut of the money if she can help the show-off get back into fighting form. The runaway bride runs away! Yeah. And the sheriff and his son chase after her again. Yeah. After a quick montage, the show-off is ready to hit the road. It's montage after montage, frankly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a film comprised solely of montages. It really basically. is. Yeah. They get to the crate only to discover the package they're delivering is a pregnant elephant. Oof. With the help of friends, fans, and cameos, yeah. they are able to evade the sheriff, but are forced to stop when an Italian doctor they pick up tells them that the elephant needs to give birth. Jesus Christ. If you've ever there's never been a more unwelcome guest in a film. As soon as I then, saw it, I was like, oh, no. I was disgusted. <laughs> I saw it, and I was immediately disgusted. I had no idea that Dom DeLuise was in this movie. No, yeah. I, I really had forgot entirely. As soon as I saw it, I was like, well, of course he uh, is. Like, it, I Burt Reynolds myself, is in it, so oh, why not? Christ. Yeah. And then fucking, I'm Italian. Like, what? What? It's only act, and he does it badly every time. He's drinking a glass of wine in the back of an ambulance. Like, what? What is happening? A bottle of Chianti. No one Italian to... doctors don't even do that. The Italian doctor tells the crew they won't be able to transport the elephant and its baby without endangering them. The show-off wants to continue to help bolster his reputation, but decides to abandon the job for the elephant's safety. And he and the bride get back together, while the sheriff retires mm -hmm. classic love story between him and the elephant well <laughs> i hadn't thought well, that I'll just go ahead and get up in the, the truck and then sometimes there when a, there's a crisis in a in a with a couple in a relationship you need something like a cross cross country journey with an elephant to really to crystallize what's important to talk about the elephant in the room if you will oh i mm. i might in the in the world of Having to transport elephant films, this ranks right up there with Operation Dumbo Drop and the one with Bill Murray. Larger than life. There's three. I think that's it. So we are going in. That was uh, movie number two. And we are moving on to uh, Smokey and the Bandit 3. Part three. As the sheriff is announcing his retirement, the big man and his small son challenge him to transport a stuffed fish across country 
to promote their new line of fish restaurants. Mm. The sheriff declines, but quickly realizes retired life is not for him. It's not all it's cracked up to be, Scott. No, no. He's doing things. He's unhappy. He's got to be going fast. He's got to be the angry Buford Justice. Son's with him during the the retirement for some yeah, reason. Yeah, like, we're moving down to Miami because my son can't take care of himself. Like he. What did they think was going to happen if they sat so close to the front at SeaWorld? It's, yeah. There's a sign that specifically says, you will get splashed here. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> and been splashed They warn there. you. I knew what was yeah. coming. The splash zone, of course. Big Man and his small son then hire the friend with a dog to pretend to be the show-off and ensure that the sheriff never makes the delivery. This whole film is very confusing. What their motives are, who, it, what it really, they want, what they're looking for out of this. They, yeah. they make the bet, then want to foil his attempt at really winning the bet. I guess to embarrass him? So they can get the badge. Okay. but So you don't really know who the antagonist and who the protagonists are. Once they no. bring in Jerry Reed, am I now rooting for Jerry Reed or am I rooting for... Right, because it feels like it's going to be a classic flip movie. Exactly. And then, and then they go back and you're like, no, no, it's going to be exactly the same. Oh, so now I got to root against the poor Buford T. Yeah. Justice, who you're going out of your way to abuse for no good reason. Yeah. So I'm rooting for everybody? Like, or I'm rooting know. against everybody, I think. I guess, in, in my eyes, I guess the antagonist is... <laughs> Frankly, the movie was so bad, I was rooting against everybody. <laughs> and this movie. I was like, is it possible people movie. got hurt during this film? I hope so. Are those <laughs> yeah. real car crashes? Please, God. Oh, and then they crashed the car and everyone died. End of movie. Wow, that was only 20 minutes. So great. great. And <laughs> the end. Cut print. The show-off picks up a woman at some point. Uh, through a series of ridiculous events, including bar fights, sex clubs, and rodeos, the friend without his dog is able to vex and delay the sheriff, mm. but in the end, decides to let the sheriff win out of good sportsmanship. Well, it's again, the universal struggle we talked about before. Sure. And the need to shoehorn Two a, sides of the same coin. There needed to be a Burt Reynolds cameo in there that yeah. mysteriously... Broke down that particular yeah. struggle. They, I, I feel like they must have begged him to be in this movie. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't find that how much they paid him for it, but it is him, and it was filmed just for this film. I thought yeah. it might have been some outtakes like, from the previous films. Like, okay, well, we'll get Jerry to do the, the main part, but you, you gotta come. You gotta do just just one scene, one scene right at the end. Even <laughs> Jerry even comments after the scene is like, "I don't know what the hell just happened." But let's go on with the movie. Well, I guess it worked. Yeah. Let's get out of here. He really, he's even commenting on what the fuck. Yeah. I don't even know what I just did. I did some sort of black magic or something. I became another man and now I'm back here again. That was sorcery. Witchcraft. You a witch woman? The sheriff and the friend without his dog, who the sheriff believes is the show off, mm. share a moment mutual respect then continue the chase it's eternal it goes on and on and on that's how you think of even burt after we're all dead that's, it goes on and on and on i think that burt reynolds is probably most defined by this trilogy sure by this character by by playing the bandit I'd like to kick his ass just once the first one came out in 1977 three-year span 1980 is when the second one came out three-year span 1983 is when the third one so came the out. exact same years when the original Star Wars trilogy came out. Did you know that in 1977, 
Smokey and the Bandit was the second highest grossing film in the United States. After Star Wars? After Star Wars. I was going to wow. ask you what do you thought what you thought the first one was. As soon as you said the years, I'm yep. like, those are the exact years of Star Wars. Interesting. It's worth mentioning that at this period of time in history, okay, this, this late 70s going into the early 80s, this movie really was the, the godfather of the good old boy movie. Yeah. Okay. Really. The movie that, that Burt Reynolds made popular. Gator, Smokey and the Bandits, Stroker Ace, the Cannonball Run films, yeah. Hooper. These films were all Burt and his friends playing up the quirks of the Southern fellow. Yeah. You know, freewheeling right. and reckless. And, and that also overlapped the CB culture, right. which was also a big part of the 70s. It's almost like Burt took the CB culture and ran with it. But by the time we got to the 80s, it's even reflected in these films. They're not even really using the CBs anymore. By the third film... They're hardly using the CBs. Yeah. Whereas in the first film, that's all they're doing. What's your 20? About 16 miles this side of Mississippi. Whoa, hold it. I just passed another Kojak with a Kodak. This place crawling with bad. Where the hell are you? Come back. Yeah. All right. Well, there's even that weird scene, too, where he's using the, the radio, but putting it on his bullhorn. Okay. And, like, across, like, they're, like, you know, 20 feet away from each other. I remember that when and people like, did that. Why did you have to... Even use the radio. You yeah. could have just shouted to him. That's true. But I guess it was just a thing of like, that's what they do. That's how they that's communicate. They like, so yeah, that 70s CB culture was big. But Bert's, the good old boy thing was really Bert's. That kind of idea. Yeah. And don't kid yourself. It jumped over into something like the Dukes of Hazard. You know? Yeah. If Bandit was the godfather, the Dukes of Hazard is the son. Right, and, right. And that was the early 80s, a period of time where that was still pop, when people really thought the South was quirky and fun. Yeah. And it was all right to just play those stars and bars, and, yeah. you know, it's a little different now. Yeah, the, the point is, at the time, everyone liked these movies. It wasn't just people in the South. Right. The North loved this escapist bullshit, driving around and shit. Yeah. This freedom, this trucker culture, everyone was into it. You could even see it reflected in these movies that professionals are on the CB doing this bullshit. They're not fucking truckers. Yeah. They're stationary. Yeah. They're listening. To, they're do. They're involved though. That was part of the world. Let's talk about the characters a little bit. Okay. Burt Reynolds. We're doing this episode in honor of him. We'll talk about him a lot, but let's not kid ourselves. Burt was a movie star. Yeah. Biggest movie star in the country from roughly, I think they say about 1979 to 1981, somewhere in there. That two or three year span in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. On top of the, I mean, he was a, you know, a sex symbol. Sex symbol, laying yeah. on the rug, naked. Yeah. Famous spread. But think about it. We just talked about this movie was second only to Star Wars. Star Wars was a complete ensemble film. Yeah. Smoking the Bandit, much as it's a gangs all here film, is a Burt Reynolds film. It never would have been made without Burt Reynolds. Right. In fact, the director, Hal Needham, was a stuntman. He was friends with Burt Reynolds. He owes his entire career as a director to Burt Reynolds. He only directed Burt Reynolds movies with a few exceptions. Yeah. He made a ridiculous screenplay that he wrote on legal pads. And that's why the movie has such an improvisational feel. It was completely improvised. Yeah. Hal Needham is directing car crashes. He's not directing dialogue. Those guys were doing what they wanted. Yeah. So... So there was a lot of a lot of personality, and a lot of that really is thanks to Bert. No question about it. So you had Bert, um, famous, I guess, for westerns earlier in his career when he was young, Deliverance in 1972, and then he did these films. Yeah. All right. And his career petered out through the 80s and through the 90s until Boogie Nights. 
which was the resurgence right. film for him. He was nominated for an Academy Award once again. And then he did a couple of like uh, he did that movie where he's uh, was it the crew? Yeah, it was a bomb. Yeah, with all the old guys. He didn't capitalize on that second birth at all. Not yeah. in the way Travolta did. Travolta parlayed his second coming with Pulp Fiction into a string of hits. Right. Burt Reynolds didn't do anything with this. He was an older yeah. guy, of course, but didn't yeah. do anything with it. Yeah. Really. He was Boss Hogg in the Dukes of Hazard movie, which is a throwback right. to this universe. To sure. This. Yeah. It was more of a... The, uh, yeah, and that, and that movie especially, I think, is sort of, even more so than the TV show, it directs it sort of like Smokey and the Bandit. Yo, B, you need to pop a feather in the hat, yo. Then your manholes will be having more respect for you. I have a hundred dollars right here for whoever knocks that loudmouth son of a bitch out. Thank you. Don't you know you're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day? It kind of actually reminds me of uh, Liam Neeson now with these action films where, mm. like, he was, like, a respected actor and had, you know, given a bunch of great performances and things. Like, I mean, he was in, like, Star Wars. They put him in and all this stuff. True. And then suddenly he's doing these weird, you know, like, I mean, the Taken series, whatever, but everything else is, like, a pale imitation of the Taken series. You're right. Good point. And he's in all of them. Like... And it's it's just kind of crazy. Where I mean, like, we can't really. T- I mean, there's there's money situations with these guys that we can't even imagine what they're sure. being offered versus, you sure. Know. So I mean, they think it's going to be you know with the take because of taken, it's going to be an instant hit. So we'll give you all the money you want. And I guess it's like why not take a payday? Fuck it. Good point. It had worked for him when Smoking the Bandit is the second biggest movie of the year. Why wouldn't you keep moving, making movies right. like that? Yeah, like we with made the a same bunch director. of money. We all had fun, especially since you just made up the lines as you went along. You're all, yeah. obviously, Bert. You're a genius. Well, I'd like to do something really, you know, really historic, like Smokey Meets Hamlet. <laughs> as much as these films are Bert's movies, we also have to talk about Jackie Gleason, yeah. a bona fide hero, of yes. legend, legend. The Jackie Gleason Show, The Honeymooners. Yes. Awesome. How sweet it is. The, the uh, toy. The toy. Later in his career. Um, don't jump the gun, Scott. Sorry. I'm trying Sorry. to do a thing here. Sorry. Did you know that he uh, composed an album called Music for Lovers that like was in the top ten for like the longest period of time in Billboard history? I did not know that. All right. Of course, he was in The Hustler, too. Did all his own yes. pool stunts in The Hustler. That's right. He used to hustle pool when he was younger. Later in his career, he did The Toy, which is kind of a it's an interesting movie to look at now in our political world. I haven't world. seen it in years, but... What do you give the kid who has everything? Richard Pryor. Jackie Gleason was pretty awesome. He basically improvised yeah. all of his lines in this film. Yeah. He was the one that said to them, put another guy in the car with me so I have someone to act off of. Great uh-huh. idea. So that's Jackie Gleason for you. And if we're talking about the people that were in all the films, we have to cover a couple of other people. We have to obviously cover Jerry Reed, who, you know, is in the Country Music Writing Hall of Fame, Grand Old Opry, big time country music guy. Yeah. Best identified, though, by the song Eastbound and Down from, right. from these films. Song after song for these films. Um, but he was also in some other Burt Reynolds films, Gator, another good old boy film. Um I liked him in the film The Survivors in the 80s starring Robin Williams that had to do with – it's a little-known film early in Robin Williams' career, and it has to do with survivalists. And Robin Williams plays a gun nut and survivalist, and Jerry Reed plays a hitman. Yeah. And it's, it's a little-known film. It's worth checking out, Scott. Yeah. Um, also, his last role, Waterboy. He plays the bad guy, the bad uh, coach against Adam Sandler. What the matter with you, boy? You too stupid. 
stupid to do what your coach tells you? <laughs> no. So you got those guys are the nucleus of these films. Right. You also have Big and Little Enos. Yes. Big Enos is played by Pat McCormick, who is a writer, pretty much. He was one of the lead writers for The Tonight Show. Huh. Not really. You know, one of these 80s guys that was on a couple of um, sitcoms, guest starring here and there, but primarily a writer. Yeah. But it's Little Enos, who's a major star. It's Paul Williams, the famous songwriter, who composed huge songs for the 70s. Yeah. I'm talking um, songs for Three Dog Night. We've only just begun, which started off as a bank commercial and wound up being a huge Carpenter song, right? Yeah. You know that song? Yeah, yeah. Of this song, Scott. We've only just begun to live. Why you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It's in, it's, it's in, they use it a lot in 1408. Scott, did I even have to play it for you or did you know it? No, I knew it. You know, I'm going to play it again. Okay. We've only begun. So do you know what I'm talking about, Scott? No. You knew it in the first place. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've insulted you. All right. Um, but he did all the music for A Star is Born, starring Streisand. And, of course, he was both in and composed a lot of this music and wrote the lyrics for the Muppet movie. Showtime! Showtime at the El Sleazo! Which is similar in tone to these movies, I find. Definitely. Yeah. It, it Very poppy, 80s, TV-esque, yeah. silly, bright I would say the Muppet movies would be, if if they were a trilogy, I would have said, uh-huh. they would be uh, a gang's all here as well. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Uh, we're having a fun time with the guys we like. It wouldn't like, be inappropriate to say that these are human Muppets that we're watching in this trilogy. Sure. The big as, mustaches, the hats. The fact that they don't seem to be injured through all these car crashes and yeah. just slapstick right off this of calamity. Right. Um, so yeah, Paul Williams. And did you know, I thought I might give you a quick erection. He's oh. also the voice of... The Penguin, Batman the Animated Series. Oh. Yes. That is interesting. I thought you might get aroused, so. <laughs> there, I did that aroused, for you. But... I thought you'd bring me that information and I could rebuke you, but I'm delighted to be able, I think, instead to give it to you. I'll clip your wings, you flying rodent. Paul Williams. And then, of course, the other guy that's in all three movies, Mike Henry, the guy that plays the son. Yes. He is a former uh, football player. He he looks like Robert Mueller, the uh, <laughs> the uh, special investigator. Uh-huh. And, uh You know, didn't, didn't you gonna... tell me that you looked up to see? You I up I had to, to make sure that it was not Robert Mueller because I was like, God damn, he looks like Robert Mueller. Like, <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> Daddy, you're under arrest, Daddy. And then of course, though she wasn't in all three, this movie is in a huge way um, a. A big part of Sally Field's career. Yes. Who she is as an actress. Right. This is an actress that's won two Best Actress Academy Awards for Norma Ray for Places in the Heart. But not at this point. No. This is a year before Norma Ray. Ah. But she's considered a dramatic actress at this point. Even though as she had done those television shows, those Gidget and Flying Nun shit. Right. She had just done the uh, movie Sybil, which had to do with the woman with the multiple personalities. Yes. So her agent had said, do something light and do something that's very commercial, that's big. Yeah. So this is a perfect fit for her at the time. It li- you know lightened her up. Right. Only then did she go on to get the dramatic career that we know her. Norma Ray, Places in the Heart. And then I like to you throw in other things we might know that she's from. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire. 
Yeah. She played the wife. Yes. Um, Forrest Gump. Miranda Hillard. She played the mother. And then she was the mother in Forrest Gump. Yeah. Soap Dish, a little known comedy, which I think is a great film. It's a great movie. Um, and then, here we go, another, say it, Scott, I know you want to say it. What, that she was in Spider-Man? And there you have it. That's probably the contemporary reference for I was Sally gonna, Field. She was also just uh, more recently. She was in that Lincoln movie. She was uh, Mary Todd. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Are you ready to rock into these films, my friend? Yeah. Okay. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk about these movies. You ready? Yes, I am. All right. You heard about the legend of Jesse James. John Henry just to mention some names Well there's a truck driving legend in the south today A man called Bandit from Atlanta, GA Smokey and the Bandit Hmm I gotta tell you, It doesn't age very well, Scott In re-watching it, I It was decent It was okay, I didn't detest it But it's It's so much the sum of nothing at all See, it was kind of the same way I remembered it when I saw it when I was a kid years ago, which is like, yeah, it's it's exciting at parts. I, I like it for the most part, but there are like long scenes of nothing happening for a while. There's so much music in these films. It's almost like an opera in that there are character songs and plot songs. Yeah. So the main song, this one that we began the trilogy with, Let's play it again for a second. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta, and there's beer in Texarkana, and we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. He's bound it down, loaded up and trucking. They explained it too many times, too, at the beginning, because, like, Cletus's character at the beginning seems like he got hit in the head with something, like, because he just keeps like, now, hold on a minute. You're telling me we're going to do this and we're going to go there and do it's that? It's related That's to the exactly song. That's exactly what I'm telling you. Well, okay, then. Like, <laughs> I, I just imagine, like, the director was, like, very concerned that the audience wouldn't understand what the movie was about. They're like, you know what? We should really reinforce it. Uh, <laughs> say it, like, four or five times, and then we'll put it in a song, too, in the background. Oh, my God. It really acts as a plot device to tell us exactly what's happening as the movie's going on. Yeah. Right? Right. But in the beginning, you also have another... That's a plot song. You have a character song about the bandit, who the bandit is, where he's from, what he's doing. Yeah. This dipshitty song. Bandit, you're reckless And you live much too hard In the deal of the cause. They call you the bandit. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it gets a little ridiculous. So yeah, you have those plot and character songs, Scott. What in the beginning can you tell me about? Go. That hand-painted fucking uh, mural on his trailer. Yeah. yeah. That's a little conspicuous to be running uh, illegal booze in. Yeah. And this Stage is what coach. you use this all the time. Like you couldn't get like a just a plain ass trailer to use for the for the crime we're all going to commit right well, now. You know, it's I know it's more about character than it is about making any sense. But because at no point is anyone really trying to avoid the law. I mean, I get that the idea is that the blocker, the car, mm. is distracting from how fast the truck right. is going. I get that, but no one has any respect for the law anyway. They right. have no problem assaulting the law, destroying cars. Yeah. 
in the seventies, it seems you could get away with assaulting police yeah. and just it, no one cared. If you if you leave like three seconds after you committed a crime, you're done. You're good. You're, you're fine. You're good. No one follows through. Yeah. No one follows up. This is the seventies. The big and little Enos characters are very much Burt Reynolds type of characters. Yeah. In these Burt Reynolds movies, you have these exaggerated characters. I think in that Gator movie that he did, one of the henchmen's head sticks up through the sunroof. It's, it, there are these exaggerated, silly characters yeah. in his films, yeah. as well as animals. So the dog character and the elephant later yeah. on in the Cannibal Run movies, you got monkeys. It, it goes along with this freewheeling 70s. Yeah. And that they treat animals the same way they treat everyone else. Animals, the like, South. It's a world that he's created and it worked for a couple of years. Yeah. But now looking back on it as we are, we're like, what in the hell was this culture? Yeah. Perhaps, Scott, in 30 years, they'll look back on us and be like. <laughs> the movie stands up because Burt Reynolds is definitely charismatic in this film. He's got a lust for life and a certain exuberance that yeah. sells it. Right. That was the Hollywood <laughs> laugh until Eddie Murphy came around. Yeah. All right. Eddie's laugh eclipsed it. They're but familiar. yeah, that's part of it. That smile, that laugh, that that's Burt Reynolds. That's not yeah. any bandit. That's These a movies fr- are more about uh, charisma and right. personality. Than that's they just are Burt playing this world, being the master of this universe. Right. Yep. Just being charismatic and people just loving him. And it works. Yeah. But let's, let's not kid ourselves. Jackie they, Leeson is, is doing something in this movie. Yeah. Burt is getting by on just being Burt. But Jackie Gleason has created a character here. Right. So it's worth mentioning that he has as many misses as he does hits in this first film in terms of the comedy and the jokes. Right. But some of the things he says are really funny. Yeah. And he's going for it. He's doing something. Yeah. So I admire that. I mean, yeah, especially in this movie, early on in the movie, they go... And it seems like he goes to great lengths to, like, make you not like Smokey, mm. like, at all. Right. Um, there's some racist shit he says early on. Fag talk. Uh, Definitely yeah. says the word fag. Sexual talk that's kind of creepy. Yeah. That yeah, isn't yeah, funny. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah. And, um, like, early on, too, when he's, oh, when he stops for a break and, like, a bandit's sitting right there and he tells him the whole thing, like, I'm chasing this guy around and he's eating the fucking... Diablo sandwich. The Diablo sandwich, Became yes. a sort of a pop cultural icon, that kind of a sandwich. Really? I read about it, yeah. What kind of sandwich even It's basically it a yet? sloppy joe, but instead of using, like, a, 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 a joe sauce or a barbecue sauce, they use hot sauce. Ooh. So. I would like that. Yeah. But, I mean, he's getting all sloppy with it and, yeah. like, you know, looking like just a fucking pig. And, you're and that like, particular you're scene, me hate this character. That particular scene was completely a Jackie Gleason idea. Originally, it wasn't in the script that they were going to meet at all. Really? And it was Jackie Gleason's idea that they would meet each other and not, you know, he not know who he was. Yeah, yeah. And that's completely him. That entire scene with the toilet paper, everything. Wow. And a pretty funny scene. Yeah, yeah. I would say that if you say what's the, the signature scene of this film, it might be that because it's the first time the two characters are face to face. Right. It seems like the relationship between uh, 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 Justice and his son is just basically the son says something like state, states a fact and then he just tells him what an idiot he is. Always. That's, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. It's Every funny. single time they go to them. What are some of your favorites? Uh... So, I have, Daddy, the top came off. No shit. <laughs> My hat came off, Daddy. I wish your head was in it. <laughs> yeah, I wish your head was in it. <laughs> they went through our roadblock. Like, you some bitches couldn't close an umbrella. <laughs> 
I'm going to go home tonight and punch your mama right in the face. <laughs> yeah. And they cheapen it in the other films, but it's it's funny in this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's his most famous but I like, line. I like that he, because he seems like a guy to me that's like, I'm going to do the same line, but there's always going to be the end part. Yeah. Always going to be different. Jackie Gleason's yeah. a consummate comedian. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. You well, know he's a trilogy superstar, by the way. You know Is how? Is that right? You know how he's a trilogy superstar? How? How do you think? How? Huh? What? Huh? How? What other trilogy could he be in? How about the brief period of time in our inaugural trilogy, Back to the Future, where he's seen in the Honeymooners episode? Sure. Making him a trilogy superstar. I guess. Not only is he seen, though, he's spoken about. It's a a well-known scene in Back to the Future. So he qualifies. Sure. Back door, my friend. I guess. Back door. But if that ever comes up again, I'm calling you. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Nobody makes Sheriff Buford T. Justice look like a possum's becca. Do we even talk about this course thing? Do we even want to talk about this? Why this exists? Why this challenge even makes yeah, sense? Yeah, I, I, I actually read about it, but I, I read about it, it. too. I think, I think it's kind of interesting. And the idea is that Coors at the time was considered to be a very good beer, not, you know, what it is yeah. today. And, uh, it wasn't you. It wasn't pasteurized. Didn't have a lot of preservatives in it. It had to stay cold constantly, and only had a one week shelf life. It wasn't cold, yeah. so it didn't. They didn't transport it east of the Mississippi because it wouldn't be fresh in that period of time. They only right. transported it west of the Mississippi, and so, so it was illegal because it wasn't safe to drink. That was the notion, uh, right? Am I getting that? I think that's correct. Yeah, that's basically right. Yes. Now, if you want to experience a Coors Light, here's all you have to do: drink a regular beer. Until there's like a tiny swallow left at the bottom. Now take that and go to the sink and fill that up with water. You'll be drinking a Coors Light. Then. Yes. It's the flavor and potency of a Coors Light. Yes. So. Just a dash of beer. Make it yours. Make it Coors. Make it yours. It's an interesting plot device. It's respectable. It's interesting. I can understand how someone would hear about that weird quirk in the law of bootlegging in this country and say, huh. That might be a, a cool story to make a movie about. Yeah. I mean, they're also going so fast in this movie that the scenes, the long scenes between him and Sally Field, and they're like looking directly at each other for yeah. long periods of time. Like, you're going a hundred, you're, <laughs> you're going to fucking buck 20 here. Can you look at the road once in a while? Just make sure you're still on it. Like, how Jeez. do you also not slam into fucking. Cletus. They're behind him. They're in front yeah, of him. You have to just, the physics of cars are just have to be ignored for these films. You can't just jump things and be fine when you land. That's not oh, no. real cars. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. They gaze at each other way too much in the car. It's like you got to be careful. So there's a lot of moments in this movie where you see characters or you you don't see characters. You only hear them on the radio and then you'll see their truck. Yeah. But they're terrible. They're <laughs> all just so terrible. All right, I got the bandit in my sights. And then the car flips over. He's like, uh, disregard that last <laughs> transmission. I'm like, this is like a joke in a commercial. This, hey there, bandit. Like, wait, we'll, wait, wait, wait. Every what? movie, we'll hold him up for you. Let's pull our fucking car in front of his fucking car. And he won't be able to get to yeah. you. I got an idea. Like, it's the I got same an idea, idea. everywhere. I'll pull my fucking <laughs> tow truck in front. And we'll he'll have to slow down. in the way. Now you're the bandit on the run. Not a bad guy, just having fun. Still riding hard beneath those western skies. Smokey and the Bandit 2. 
Um, the beginning is a switcheroo, of course. This time, it's Jerry Reed, the snowman, that's got to hustle the bandit from his bed, from his drunken world, right. and get him involved. It, this movie is about stopping. All they do is stop <laughs> the entire movie. Like, the first one, they're fucking flying the whole time, having scenes in the car entirely. This movie, they have to pull over every time they gotta fucking say something to each other. It's like, it's fucking ridiculous. Like, oh, no, I guess the elephant don't feel good. Best we better pull over. Last time you were like, let's keep moving. We gotta keep going. <laughs> you put it in, it's all of a sudden an elephant's involved. Like, we better waste time. Like, gonna what give the fuck birth. is happening? But not before we hear another series of Jerry Reed songs explaining yes. what's going on. So, I mean, and to a point song where... song about the fucking elephant. We like... got a Charlotte song about the elephant. Ooh. Spend the night in Charlotte's bed. You might get caught in Charlotte's way. We've got another bandit song that catches us up on what the bandit's been doing. And then another plot song. Drinking, so he's been drinking. Well, Scott, the best one is there's another plot song that actually has the line in it. Oh, we're all back together. It's like, <laughs> enough. We understand that you. another movie's yeah. been made. Like he wrote these like five minutes before. God, Burt Reynolds <laughs> hiding beers in a hotel room. What were you hiding them for? What did you yeah. think was going to happen? hiding them from yourself? <laughs> Why is there a beer in the light? Why would you put that there? Yeah. The hell's kind of drunk are you? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, uh, he, he, his mustache got better from movie one to movie two. Cause in the first movie, I'm like, you know, he's, I mean, you know, cause he's a mustache guy. You're right. He is a mustache guy. So like the first movie, I'm like, eh, it's a little wispy. It's mm. not really doing it for me. Good Second point. movie, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, now that's the Burt Reynolds mustache. Right. But here's the problem. familiar with. As his mustache got better. His hair got worse. Yes. Because he transitioned from a classic side part when he takes off the cowboy hat and we see his hair. Yeah. Now he's doing that friggin' eighties Burt Reynolds curly shit where you're uh, like, what yeah, is this curly headed? Curl it's weird looking. Yeah. Stop it. And, and of course this movie, you know, falls to I, I I was almost thinking of Austin Powers, how like as the movies went along, they started having more and more cameos by people and basically like a comedy that was so popular that the rest of pop culture had to comment on it. And how could people like Terry Bradshaw, Mean Joe Green, famous Jet Joe Klecko, who's also in Cannonball Run 2, filmed at the exact same time? Just how do they know who he is? After cameo, after cameo. Ugh. Like they like like they're trying to say that he's on the same level as Terry Bradshaw or you know what I mean or Mean Joe Green. And the idea of these gratuitous cameos come together most perfectly with the appearance of worthless Dom DeLuise. In Jesus film. Christ! I couldn't believe what I was looking at when he pops up. I said to myself, "This can't be. This yeah, it can't be. No, don't do this. He doesn't fit in this film at all. No." An Italian fucking doctor? The, the, that's the thing. Is like, first of all, Dom DeLuise himself, yeah, doesn't belong in this film. And then you make him an Italian. Like, on top of the fact that now he's got to pretend Ugh. to be Italian. Dom DeLuise is not good at impersonations. He's he thinks he's so funny with his Italian act. Yeah. With this I'm thing. Italian, and this is how an Italian sounds. Dom DeLuise isn't fully committed to playing this Italian guy. So it's almost like Dom DeLuise... Doing an Italian impression at a party. Yeah. Here he goes, oh, I'm eating a cup of cola. <laughs> I'm Italian. And blah, blah, yeah. blah. That's and, how it plays. And, and yeah, and then that comes across as like, you know, you're wasting the audience's time here. <laughs> I wrote know? down the words, unconvincing paisan. I wish I could, Belladonna, but I'm working. I'm in that ambulance. Wait, Bob, I spent it. Oh, my goodness, Bob. Wait for me, your son. 
kind of a beside him in a swamp. After they pick up Dom DeLuise, the ambulance, and the ambulance leaves him, which why would they leave him? Then all of a sudden we cut to a scene of the guy falling out of the back of the ambulance. And then Jackie Gleason having to be like, he's in one of them new Japanese he, he cars. Thinks, Jackie like, Gleason can't recognize a gurney. He thinks it's a car. Yeah. Why? And why does that scene exist? <laughs> Just to have a stunt of the guy falling out of the back of the fucking ambulance? Like... Scott, it's as believable as the fact that in a church ceremony, there would just be a lone phone sitting on a table waiting to ring. Right. To instruct the bride that and she that should probably And he find leave. the number to the church. It's, it's ridiculous. At least we can count on Gleason still being casually racist. He makes a remark about busing that you're like, what is, why like, are you saying uh, that? Come on. Come on, guy. <laughs> in the same way that yeah, Anytime makes... you see he's about to interact with a black person, I'm always like, uh-oh, here oh, we no. go. Here it, He's uh, going to uh, say something off But color. forget about even him. Anytime a black person appears in these films, I'm like, they're going to just do something wrong here. Yeah. Not even by the standards of today's overly PC world. Just by the regular standards of, like, sort of common sense. In this movie, the kid that watches the elephant, he in the credits, his his credited part is... Young black boy. What kind of music you got here in town? Rhythm and blues. Rhythm and blues? Yeah. Ah, how do you like country? Country sucks. This is my favorite part is the crisis, okay? Bert needs to live up to this folk hero image that right. he has. And they don't really inject that into the plot till late in the and, movie. And you're saying, should Bert risk the health of the elephant? When Sally Field turns to him and says... I know you. You don't want to hurt this elephant. I couldn't believe what I, my my heart. What? Bert looks at her and says, "I don't want to. I don't want to hurt the elephant." <laughs> Who gives a shit about the elephant? <laughs> Drop it off somewhere and be done with it. Like, like well, I don't understand. Like, if you're not gonna make it, if this is the case, just fucking get rid of it. And give it to somebody else and run away. Why is? Why is the bandit suddenly insecure? At no point is he insecure through any of these films. Now he's doubting himself. Why should I, I be a celebrity? I guess because she left, but she came back immediately. But every time he rolls into a new location, he's still... People are... They know who yeah. he is. He's beloved still. Yeah. I heard you on the CB thwarting the police that it's kinda... simply want to arrest you for your thousand crimes. It's it's pretty thin. My handle's Silver Tongue Devil, and I'm here to tell you your fellow CBers are mighty proud of you out there. Come on. I think you wanted to talk about the Jackie Gleason characters, the multiple characters oh Gleason God. plays. You mean uh, Canadian and gay Canadian Jackie Gleason? And, gay. and the Canadian mysteriously sings opera constantly. Very what? strange. When do you associate Canadians how, with opera? Yeah, was that the stereotype back then of Canadians? I, I, I now, never today heard of that. Today it's hockey, moose, beaver. Like, you know, you would think you would do something a little more down that alley. Then you know? it was opera. And his accent was like, he sounded like, he actually sounded like Dudley Do-Right. The, the, <laughs> their, like, chief. That's what right. he sounded like. The, Hello, Dudley, are you doing this? And Like, that's not it's Canadian. really strange. Yeah. Now, now it's just like you're giving him a little too much room to do yeah. weird shit. Whereas in the past, it's like, okay. By the third movie, they're like, fucking take the whole movie. Yeah. In this one, though, they're going too far. Why didn't they just, why wasn't it just one character? You know what I mean? Like, have pick one of them. You can't be gay and Canadian. Like I said. Be a gay Canadian if you want. Maybe the movie realized there were no chases at all. So what they decided to do is just a, like a demolition derby at the end to justify it. So there's yeah. 500 cars, Canadian mounted cars. You fit you old sugar. 
Is that you, Gaylord? You bet your little belly button it is. It's one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's pretty goddamn bad. It's it's trying to capture the best parts of a movie that wasn't fantastic in the first place. Well, there's even a line she says, you know, oh, you know, you're being the bandit, but you're, it doesn't seem like you're even having any fun anymore. Right. Doing it. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I didn't care about the elephant. I can tell that you all. really didn't care about the elephant didn't at all. Care. As soon as I saw it was an elephant, I was like, no, please. No. Is this the whole movie? An elephant? But Scott, here's the thing. When you're talking about elephants, we have to ask ourselves, why are we even doing this again, my friend? Why are we even going into the third movie when there's so little to really talk about? Well, you know, someone got to be doing Someone's... it, so we get, we best be doing Here it. Here we go! Ho, ho, ho! Look out, the bandits coming, tires screaming, engine humming. Looks like the bandits on the move. Scott, if Smokey and the Bandit 2 was a terrible film that tried its best to mimic Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. Smokey and the Bandit Part 3 was a completely incomprehensible film. It was as confusing and strange as it was bad. Yes. And I'm still... I don't really understand a lot of what I looked at, what I saw, why I was seeing it. Or how you were supposed to feel about yeah. any of the characters or... <laughs> yep. <laughs> Exactly. Nope. First off, the movie only runs like an hour and 20, and they pad the shit out of it. In the beginning, you got a Star Wars intro that they're trying to rip Terrible. off. Just right? awful. You got a black and white montage of the first film of its best of the first couple of films featuring Burt. Yeah, again, another classic example of a previously on Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. Like, Plus. But a lot of trilogies do that now. You have. Jackie Gleason doing a Patton ripoff in the beginning where he's I know addressing the group dressed as Patton I want to thank all you nice ladies in German when they're showing the the scenes from the other movies and like showing all their interactions with the bandit who's especially not going to be in this next movie uh it's great because you're watching this it's like oh don't those movies look great well too bad you have to watch this one like <laughs> look at all the fun they're having there yeah you won't be having you won't be here. seeing any of burt reynolds in this movie trust us it won't be this much fun yeah <laughs> but we do have thank god another song this time about buford t justice Buford T. Justice, fearless law of Texas, the man who chased the bandit coast to coast. Buford T. Justice, now you've uplift us. Where are you, Justice, when we need you the most? And then, you know, he still gets into the, uh, the you know, slurs and stuff like that. There's yes, the he one, does. He, what, he gets the white paint on his face, the sun. He's like, Daddy, my face is all white. And he says, put a little lipstick on and I'll drop you off at a gay bar. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Are you serious? Like, But at this point, CBs have turned to car phones. We see them now. We rarely see a CB in this movie. Yeah. Okay. There's the scene when he, I think we mentioned when he goes through the milk truck. Mm. But when he goes through that, he just leaps right off the road. There's no ramp or anything. He just 
bloop off the road, and it makes no sense. It's again, it's another Burt Reynolds backflipping onto the clip, elephant moment does he clip where you're a like, car what? in front of the milk truck that somehow launched there's nothing in, the air. in there's front nothing, of him. Huh? I went back and I looked at yeah. it, and there's nothing in front because it would have just been easy to just for no reason. Because in all the other movies. There's just ramps for no reason. Meanwhile, there's milk in that car for 10 scenes after. It's like, all right, we get the joke. You went through uh, yeah. a fucking milk truck. Yeah, uh, open the doors and let another, the milk it's out. Another like, thing. enough. Like, <laughs> why are you still sitting in milk, you weirdo? One's Jerry Reed, who is just comes off. He's tries so hard, but he's so pathetic. And if I get to be the bandit now, I'm yeah. going to be the bandit. I'm going to be the bandit. We get it. We yeah. get what's happening here. Right. We understand that Bert couldn't come in the year. Not really the bandit. We... We understand. Stop it. We get it. You know what does make it a little bit confusing, though, is when they call him to ask him to play the bandit, he's basically already dressed like the bandit. The movie also can't decide. Like, it hadn't occurred to him to dress like the bandit previously, but he's clearly dressed like the bandit. Well, it makes it seem like it's been his dream this whole time. Right. That he emulates the bandit yeah. that much, that I guess. But it's and guess what? In the first film, confusing. he was supposed to play the bandit until Bert came on board, and that's who got funding for the film and wound up being the bandit, pushing yeah. him to the snowman role. Right. So maybe this is another example of art imitating reality, where it's yeah. like, shit, I get to play the bandit all of a sudden. Finally, you know. Yeah. So that's ridiculous. You want to see a bandit? You looking at a bad bandit? I'm talking bad. Okay, Jerry Reed is no Burt Reynolds. I hate to say it. No. And in that vein. <laughs> Colleen Camp, who plays the woman, yes, is who... no Sally Field. No. Well, I mean, she's got nothing to do in the whole movie. Do you know where I recognize her from immediately? She was in the first couple of Police Academy movies. It's but... like famous female actresses looking back can be like, you know, I was the love interest of this famous person or that right. one. She can say, I was the love interest of Jerry Reed, <laughs> then later... Tackleberry. Tackleberry. <laughs> she's ho- she's horrible. Oh, Eugene. So then, Scott, for me, this movie devolves completely into a series of unrelated, strange scenes in a chase that have yeah. no connection to each other. And he has one of the lines that makes no sense to me whatsoever, where he says... <laughs> He says to, says to the woman, he sees the word like her boobs are hanging out. And he's like, you know, I miss the days when a pair of boobs was two dumb guys. I'm like, so you want two guys instead of a pair of boobs? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Like, I feel it. like they instantly could have turned that around on him like a la fucking Happy Gilmore. Like, <laughs> You're in big trouble, though, pal. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? No. When uh, Cletus is getting ready, he's dressing up as uh, as uh, the bandit. Yeah. And he's talking to Fred, the dog. And he's like, sorry, I can't take you with me, Fred. <laughs> you can't come. It doesn't make any sense. The bandit didn't have a dog. Oh, God. I, I really just thought the next scene was going to cut to him dressing the dog up as Sally Field. It would have been better. Yeah. And being like, this will work, no problem. <laughs> like, doom, doom, doom. Well, if I can keep it on the ground, when I have to that hammer down, then I'll be Texas bound. Scott, good news. Phil is returning to the East Coast. Oh, yeah? Our West Coast correspondent is coming home. So we're going to call him our field correspondent for now. Nice. But I wanted to weave this movie. Is that a promotion, a field correspondent, or is that a demotion? It's lateral. Lateral. We're simply changing the name. Because right. now he's going to be here. We're still going to send him out to different locations. Sure. But he's not going to be anchored to the West Coast. Now he's going to be anchored on my belt 
on your hip. He's doing our bidding. Nice. Okay. So I decided to rent him a Trans Am for his voyage home, just like the band. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. yeah. That's a nice welcome home gesture. Yep. So I, you know, I got him all set up. I, you know, I, I called him. I told him where he could pick up the Trans Am. It's from nice. a well-known, well-reputed and respected rental company. Oh, is it? Is it owned by... Uh... Scott, don't say the name. You don't know who will be advertising with us in the future. I made a point of putting a tape recorder in the car so that we could so that we could listen to his journey home. He's pounding down, it up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say? Hello folks, Phil Cassell here, your former West Coast correspondent with the Trilogy Podcast. Today I'll be driving back home to the East Coast, and thanks to Vin, I'll be doing it in style. He's set me up with a 1977 Pontiac Trans Am. The same baby that the late, great Burt Reynolds drove in Smokey and the Bandit. Right now, I'm about halfway to New York, and uh, we're looking at clear skies, folks. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. There's a checkpoint. We're going to... Oh, boy. Shit, 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 shit. Okay, play cool. Play cool. Be Burt. Be the Bandit. We're practicing the laugh. And how are we doing today? Doing fine, Sheriff. Just enjoying this beautiful day. Enjoying it a little fast, aren't we? Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, maybe it's a little too fast for an old man like you, Smokey, but... Why don't we cut the crap, you pile of monkey nuts? Uh, I clocked you going 90 in a 55. You're lucky I don't impound this pile of monkey nuts right now. Um, Shut it, monkey nuts. Pop the trunk. Okay. Christ, there must be ten kilos of cocaine back here. What? Oh, that's not mine. Step out of the car. Sheriff, let's... Get out of the goddamn car, you son bitch! What did the bandit do? I've got it. Boy, if you don't get out of that car... Eat a dick, you fat fuck! Open Welcome home, Phil. It's a pleasure to see you again. Good to have you back. Always a pleasure. And we look forward to your future endeavors with us here at the Trilogy Podcast. All right, Scott. So I think we're going to probably be in agreement about this one in terms of the breakdown, what we think about this one. Yeah. I'll let you go first. I went first last time. It's your turn first. Well, I guess I have to say, I think it's... I think it's a one, two, three. I mean, mm. the, the the movies just get progressively worse. Yeah. Um, both two and three are, are equally bad in Oof. my mind. But yeah, we'll just call it a one, two, three. And yeah, definitely an unsuccessful trilogy. Took a, an idea that hardly worked the first time. And Barely. just stretched it out and beat it to fucking death as yep. much as you could and made two crappy movies. Yep. To me, the first movie is really just a representation of the time period. Okay, whether it be good or not... It reflects the mindset of the people at the time. The biggest movie star, what he was doing. Right. Our pop cultural landscape in the late 70s, early 80s. That's interesting to me. Yeah. But like you said, I thought that I couldn't see a movie worse after the second one, which is just an outrageous, cheap cash-in. Yeah. But 
Then I saw the third one. And it was all of that plus confusing too. Yeah. And minus the stars. Minus the stars. And yeah. then you're like, you don't even understand where they're going. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to go one, two, three. I briefly flirted with it being a one, three, two, because I thought three was Same so. Here. I like Jackie Gleason. And I yeah. thought his funny shit was good enough that it might carry us. Yeah. But no, it didn't. It was too strange. So one, two, three, an unsuccessful trilogy. Yes. Well, Scott, this was our tribute to Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you haven't, you know, recommended us to your friends and you're listening to us, now you should be. Because we're bringing you every single trilogy, one after another, deep, deep insight. All right? Our website is only going to get bigger and more expansive as we list all these great trilogies. And remember, follow us where, Scott? On Instagram. Because it's a great compliment to the podcast. As always, I'm Vin. And I'm Scott. And we want to thank you so much for listening to us. Have a great day, Breaker Breaker, my brother. Have a great day, 10-4, over and out. This is Rubber Ducky. <laughs> you got Smokies on your tail. Eastbound and down, it up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up, watch old bandit run. Old Smokey's got them ears on, he's hot on your trail. And he ain't gonna rest till you're in jail. So you got to dodge him, you've got to duck him. You gotta keep that diesel trucking. Just put that hammer down and give it hell. Eastbound and down, put it up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up, watch on bandit.